we're so glad to have Rodney and Joy and RJ and Tiffany and, and RJ's fiance. Aaron? Aaron. All right. I'll, I'll get it all down here. Uh, these folks with us today. Uh, when I came here, this is really making me feel old, in 1980, uh, Rodney was in my high school classes. So that makes you... I was just 14 when I started teaching school. <laughs> and I was a prodigy. And uh, not, You know that's not the case. But uh, he and Joy served here in the church and were active in all every part of the ministry, the bus ministry, you name it. And so uh, these are very precious friends of ours. We're so happy and, and jo- thrilled for what the Lord has been doing. He's been at uh, the West Jacksonville Baptist Church for over, I think, about 23 years now and uh, doing a wonderful work there. Rodney had the difficult task of taking the, the pulpit. He didn't take the pulpit. was voted in. He served alongside of his, his pastor there, Brother McMillan, who'd served. He pastored the church for like 50 years or something like that. Can you imagine? And the founding pastor at that. So that's no small task. And uh, he uh, has done a wonderful job. The ministries have flourished under his, uh, his leadership and uh, radio station, and we mentioned this morning. And so I asked him to preach for us tonight. Take our Bibles. Uh, Legrand scared me to death a moment ago because he read out of Psalms, and it was not my text. It was something that Pastor had asked him to read, and I'm thinking, I can't preach that text. I haven't studied it. And so we're going to go to Psalm 3. And uh, you join me there in Psalm 3 while you're finding your place. Uh, Mrs. Lamb, was I on pitch? Uh, When I was here, uh, prior to her children, uh, prior to a lot of the things you see, uh, there were times that I would stand at the piano with uh, Brother Lamb and Mrs. Lamb, Chris and Kathy to me today, and I'd stand there and I'd be off pitch and I'd get a book thrown at me. Uh, now, now, that's only because she cared about me getting it right, okay? It, it's, she just, and she worked, but, you know, she teaches so many people now, and, and uh, then Brother Lamb, I, I could pick on both of them a lot, but I owe a great gratitude. Uh, I come by Delaney Iris when I'm in town because I love the church. I come by here because I'm, I, I enjoy the ministry here. And I, I'm glad that the Lord works here. I'm glad to see things still going on. But I also come here out of gratitude because this place invested in my life and today I would not be in the ministry. Of course, we know it's the grace of God. He gets all the glory. But God used Lynn Irish Baptist Church in this ministry to invest in my life and because of that investment, I'm in the ministry today. And uh, when I just the other night I was preaching to my people and I probably got a little deep. I, I spent a little while. And I, my structure's different for, probably than what I was trained because it's... It, it, I, I still remember you saying this. I still remember Brother Legrand saying this, that uh, you shouldn't be someone else. You have to become yourself. And so in me, I became myself, but there were elements that were placed in my life that were foundational. I was telling Brother Lamb today at lunch that... There were times that I can remember not even knowing what the words systematic theology meant. But yet, he was pounding things into me. Brother Lamb, I'll tell you this, and and then I'll get to the message. I told the story the other night, or the other day, and you realize that now I've come to the point that the other night or the other day may have been last year, and I understand that. But it, it wasn't that long ago. 
Uh, I told our church when I was, when I was preaching on the message uh, last Wednesday night, went two weeks ago, uh, on Can I Trust My Bible, I explained to them that my structure that night was because of what you had done in my life. And, and you've taught me so much, and he taught me to study the Bible. I had my style, but he taught me to study. And matter of fact, he fussed at me for studying. I am still envious of his prayer life, of his prayer book. I'm, I, and and I, I've seen those things because I, I don't get to see him enough, but I'm that close to your pastor. But another thing he taught me that I can still remember it to this day, I was struggling with God's plan on my life. God had had me take some turns that I did not understand. God had, had allowed some things in my life that I had just fe- I felt like I had failed and just different things. And even some people were happy to tell me that I had. And, uh, but I still remember Brother Lamb pulled me aside and he looked at me and he said this, Rodney, do you want God's will? I said, yes, sir, I do. I wouldn't be struggling if I didn't. He said, but that's not it. He said, if you really want God's will, he said, God doesn't dangle it out there in front of you. And when you say, yes, I want God's will, him pull it away from you. You know, sometimes we think God tricks us, you know, and we have to run out there and try. And I finally realized one day that if I just live in God's will today, I could prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And tomorrow would take care of itself because I'm living for God today. So I can live for God today in His will, and I can live for God tomorrow in His will, and He's not going to pull it away from me. And your pastor taught me that as a young man. And I still remember him telling me that. And so I wanted to say thank you tonight. Now, Psalm 3, I hope you found your place by now. I've talked long enough. If you've not found your place, share with your neighbor. And uh, we'll be there. Psalm 3 uh, is, is a popular psalm. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you did not see an answer coming? I mean, have you ever just been in a place that hope was just hard to find? Pain was in your heart. Well, David was there. This psalm was written by David when he fled from Absalom, uh, his son. As it says at the beginning of most uh, psalms in your Bible, it should say that. But to understand this psalm... We're not going to turn there for the sake of time, but you have to understand what's going on in 2 Samuel chapter 15. David's had great victories. David's had great defeats. And now for 20 years or so, David has been in complete turmoil because of sin that he allowed to come in his life. He fell with Bathsheba. He murdered Uriah. And Absalom now, at this point where he is in his life, has killed one of his other sons, Amnon because of what he did to his sister Tamar. Absalom did not live in the city for a few years, and upon his return in 2 Samuel chapter 15, he plotted against David to take the kingdom. Absalom sat in the gate. He worked very craftily and deceitfully to steal the hearts of the people. It is said in verse 4 of that chapter, Absalom said, Moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land. He was telling the people, he said, You know, if I could just do something about what you are going through. Uh, he said, Every man that hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. He implied that justice wasn't being done. And he said, If I were just made a judge in the land, he did this against his own father. He did this against one that he should have loved and respected. And then in verse 6, it tells us that Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. More painful than the pursuit of Saul more painful than anything else that had ever come in his life. When his son went against him and stole the throne, I have no doubt it was the height of the pain in his life. 
you then find one of his most trusted servants, one of his confidants, one of his closest friends betrayed him by the name of Ahithophel. If you study Ahithophel, you'll find out why he betrayed David, because Ahithophel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. So he betrayed him, he turned on him because of this sin. So the fugitive father is now chased by his own son. All of us face trials. They're going to come. I hate to tell you that. You know, you say, preacher, I came to church tonight for a little bit of encouragement. Well, I want to encourage you. Cheer up. We'll soon be dead. Life sometimes just does not bring what we expect. Life sometimes, and there's great things in life. And, and I have to tell you, I'm not looking for the next storm and neither are you. We don't want it. Sometimes storms come. Sadly, sometimes storms come that we bring on ourselves. Sometimes we have a storm that comes that, that hurts us because of things we've done. Now, remember, that's where David is right now. Read with me in Psalm 3. It says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, There is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Here is a psalm that David wrote, and of course he wrote many of the psalms. Here is a psalm that he wrote and how he would react to the pain of life. And I want to preach tonight on responding to the pain of life. In verses 1 through 2, we find that David is in a place of affliction. David describes this pain. He has this cry of anxiety that comes from his soul. There's, there's not a question here. This is an exclamation to God. He exclaims unto God. He says, there are some things going on. Trouble is surround me in a strong wave. And David saw no rest whatsoever in his future. Then sudden revolt uh, comes along and brings to the heart a strong anxiety. All around David, he felt the pressure of those that were against him. And he said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? He said, here they are, God. They've come all around me. Trouble has surrounded me and I have no answer for this pain. I have no answer for these problems. It's all around me. The adversary is pursuing me with an intent of hurting me and with an intent of killing me. The adversary wants me gone. Now imagine it's his own son. He has to say, my own son wants me dead. My own son wants me to be defeated. And so this sudden revolt hurts him. And so this, this closeness comes to him. And he says, many there be that rise up. People I didn't expect. Those that I didn't know would do this. Many rise up. And they go, many are they against me. The host was far superior to him. The number's too great to count. And then in verse 2, many there be which say. Think about what he's hearing now. As if the size of the enemy was not enough, the words of the enemy somehow came to his ears. 
And he said, many are they that say of my soul. And there was a lie against the saint of God. There is no help. There is no help. Child of God, there's help. That is a lie from the enemy. The enemy said, there is no help. David had to remind himself, yes, there is help. Just because the enemy tells me that there's no help does not mean there's no help. You see, they also libeled against God. They said there is no help for him even in God. Even God can't help him. Even God can't reach down to where he's at. Even God can't help him in the trouble he's in. And many began to say that. But old Psalm 37, 28, For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. You know, he didn't throw the clay away. That old clay can break. That clay can fall apart. But he's the potter. I'm the clay. And when it breaks, he doesn't throw me away. He just reaches down, picks me up again, molds me into what he wants me to be. David was there. He was broken. But God did not throw him away. Just because the enemy would tell him he would be thrown away, God would not throw him away. You see, uh, God forsaketh not his saints. Psalm 37, 40. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. Uh, Have you trusted Him tonight? I hope so. I hope so. I hope you've trusted Him tonight in your life. But David could have dwelt in the discouragement of his enemies. David could have dwelt in the place that he believed what he was hearing. Maybe he could have gotten to the point that he said to himself, well, maybe they're right. There's no help for me even in God. I mean, look what I did. Look what I did. I mean, I've got this failure. Look what I did. Surely there's no help for me in God. Look where I am. My son is chasing me. I'm a fugitive in my own kingdom. And my son is chasing me. Oh, surely there's no help uh, for me in God. But he had to turn his life to trust. You see, David made a choice here that he would not stay in the words of defeat of the enemy. David made a choice here that he would not remain where the enemy said he should be. David made a choice that he would rise higher than his own problems. David made a choice that he would choose victory before he had it. You understand, when he wrote this psalm, he didn't have victory. When he wrote this psalm, he didn't have an answer. When he wrote this psalm, he didn't have help yet. But he stopped and he said, this is what they say. They're against me, they've risen up against me, and they're even saying now that not only do I not have any help in myself, but they're now saying I have no help for me in God. (laughs) But then he made his plea of assurance. Verse 3. But thou. Sometimes you just need but thou. Sometimes the storms get so strong you don't have an answer, you don't know what to do. And I don't know if you've ever been there, I have. You don't even know how to pray anymore. The pain gets so heavy. And you're hearing somebody else say, what's the use? What's the use? And David could have stayed there. The enemy is against him. And he said, but thou, O Lord. Now, the psalmist goes from crisis to confidence by choice. I hope you see that. He went from crisis to confidence by choice. He made a choice in the middle of his his struggles. Now, that contraction, that word but, transfers us to a new thought. A replacement to what has been said about his trouble 
and about what the enemy said. The replacement for those words was about to come along, and instead of what has been said, David, by faith, is going to announce the solution. He says, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. Now think of other scriptures like that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. We all know what wages are. We've been taught this. Wages is what we have earned. It's what we deserve. It's the payment that is due. The wages of sin is death. That next word's really important. Don't miss it. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Think about Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. It's not going to overtake you because God is your God and it's just common. But, it says it twice, but God is faithful. More faithful than you. More faithful than what I can understand. More faithful than what you can understand. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. So instead of dwelling on the enemy, David comes along and by choice he looks away from his circumstances and he turns himself in confidence to the things of God. What does he say? He talks about the safety of God's shield. He said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield. What is that shield? Well, it's a certain shield. When I first studied this a few years ago, I began to think about a, a, a man who would walk with a shield on one arm and a sword in the other. And I thought to myself, well, he, David was saying, well, I've got, I've got God and I can hold my shield up, but this is not that kind of shield. This is the type of shield that when a man was in battle, this shield would be placed on every side. It was not just a shield held up, but it was a a shield that would surround on every side. There are a few words that mean different things, of course. Uh, One signifies a shield that's held in front of a man. Uh, One means, though, a buckler, roundabout, that protects and surrounds a man entirely. It's the same word as in Psalm 18.2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my buckler. The horn of my salvation and my high tower. When David said he was a shield, he used the type of shield that wasn't just in front of him. It was in front of him. It was on the side of him. It was in the back of him. He said, God's got every side. He's in front of me. He's on the sides, the left and the right, where I can't seem to find help. And I don't mean this to mean God at all, but what he was saying is, is God's got my back. God's not just in front of me. He's behind me where I can't see the enemy. He has surrounded me. And so it is a, a, the safety of God, a certain shield. It was a commanded security. Think about Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shield of faith. Choice. Choice. Take the shield of faith. And, and wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, as the shield covers and defends the body from the arrows of the adversary that would take you down and defeat you, so will God cover us and defend us. But then I thought, thought about also the sufficiency of this. He said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. I'm protected on all sides. My glory. Now, if you take notes, if you write in your Bible, I'd underline my glory. You say, why? Well, think about who's saying this. You talk about sufficiency. Here's a man who was, had been removed from his place as king. He, had, he, he knew what it meant to sit on the throne. 
He knew what it meant to have servants and everything he needed. You see, if you go back in his history, he'd been faithful in the sheepfold. He'd been that faithful shepherd that could, could write the Psalms and take his harp. At the same time, he had to kill the lion and the bear, but he was faithful with the sheep. While his other brothers came through and Samuel's looking for the king, David was the one that was disregarded. They forgot him. Surely it couldn't be the ruddy boy. That was the shepherd boy. But they had forgotten him, but he's, in, he's faithful in the sheepfold, but then he was elevated when he didn't expect it, and by Samuel was anointed to be king. He then was victorious in battle. And you know the story of how David went to the valley of Elah, and there he went down uh, the side of that valley and in a creek there that even today is still covered by trees and brush. He hid himself as he went through that creek and he found those stones that he needed. Then he comes out into the field and Goliath begins to laugh at him and make fun of him and said, you're going to send a little boy out here to fight me like a dog. He said, I, I, I tell you, that, that's and it insulted Goliath. But David let him know real quick, I'm not here to insult you, I'm here to kill you. I didn't come out here just to, just to uh, play games with you. You might think I'm small, but I'm not the one coming out here. I'm, my God's coming out here, and you've cursed our God. And so David took care of business. Through that stone, the Lord took it in the air, took it through the air, planted it in Saul's head. Saul fell down, cut off his head. My kids are expecting it to come, because I always say this I'll talk about David. You know, David climbed up on him, and with his own sword, Chopped his head off. I've always told people David really knew how to get ahead in life. Just right there. But David was victorious in battle. They begin to sing about him. David has killed his ten thousand, Saul his thousands. So here David, he's been faithful in the sheepfold. He's already been anointed as king. He's victorious in battle. Now Saul turns on him and he runs from Saul and he hides from him in Engedi. And, and, and all of these things uh, occurred and... David finally was lifted up to the throne of Israel and made king. And now he's running from his son. Listen to what he said. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. My glory. It wasn't his robes. It wasn't his position. It wasn't his victory over a giant. It wasn't all the successes. It was not even his failures. Here's what he said. He said, you know, in all of my life, people may say this accomplished and this failure. But God, I just want to let you know that there's only one place where I can claim my glory. I'll claim you. He was all. You know what he said? He said, he's all I need. And I just need someone to talk to. That's what he said. He said, God, you're my glory. You're my answer. You're who will lift me up. He said, you are the lifter of my head. Now, what does it take to lift you up? Humor? I, I like laughing. The Bible does say, Mary heart doeth good like a medicine. I don't mind laughing a little bit here and there. But you know, after you laugh, if there's a real burden, before long, the clouds come back in. Even when you laugh... Uh, I wonder if you'd say, well, preacher, if somebody would just hand me a check for a million dollars, I'd be happy. You'd be happy till you blew it off. Prosperity won't, won't lift us up. It may sustain us, but it won't lift us. Possessions, they're all temporary. And David said, though I hang my head in sorrow, though I have no more answers for what I'm going through, though the enemy has said that I am already defeated and there's not even help for me in God, 
It's God that's my glory. It's God that'll lift up my head. And so he said, God is my source. Spurgeon said of this, he said, what a divine trio of mercies is contained in this verse. Defense for the defenseless, glory for the despised, and joy for the comfortless. And here we see that David made a choice. And then in verse 4, he comes to a place of attention. Verse 4, he says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He recognized the identity of God. He said, I cried unto the Lord. No other place, no other hope, no other answers, no other relief can be found. He said, when it came time to cry, he said, I've got my friends here, but crying to them won't help much. I've got the problems and I can cry to those problems, but there's only one place in this, this way I can cry, and that's I'm going to cry unto the Lord. He, it was the reach of God's servants as he cried with his voice. Surely a silent prayer is heard. Surely in the times that we struggle and we bow our heads and we have that great promise in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us steps before the throne of God and makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Cannot be uttered means those very things that we cannot even form with human vocal cords. The Holy Spirit of God steps in my place when I'm struggling to pray and prays for me in ways that I can't pray for myself. (laughs) Sometimes maybe it's a silent prayer. What about when the voice cries to God as a witness of faith and fervency and crying out to God? Sometimes we... Get silent before God because we're in despair. Don't do that. Sometimes we allow, and we've all fought this. We 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 come to despair, and sometimes maybe we even we maybe even we stoop down to depression. But oh, that we would stop before we're defeated and cry out to God and ask Him to help Him. Psalm fifty-five, seventeen: Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. You can call on Him. I don't know all of you. I know a few of you. I don't know all your storms. You know what? No matter what the storm, someone may say, well, there's no answer for that. But thou, O Lord, there is an answer for that. Thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. And so he knew that he would get God's attention. What did he say? He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. You're talking about a a statement of confidence here. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. He's still in trouble. He's not delivered yet. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and He heard me. And He heard me. I mean, there's a cry of faith here. He heard me. I cried unto Him. And I don't have to wonder. I don't have to sit here and say, well, I prayed. I wonder if God heard my prayer. Oh, no. The psalmist said, I want you to know that in my despair, in my pain, with the enemy's words coming into my ears, I have cried unto the Lord, and He has heard me. He has heard me from His holy hill. You say, preacher, what's that? Very simply, he said, my words got all the way to the throne of God, and God let my audience come before Him, and when my audience came before Him, God heard me. I mean, think about this. A holy God in heaven who the Bible tells us humbles Himself to look at heaven, much less look at me. He humbles Himself to look at the heavens, and He loves you enough when you're His child that you cry out to Him, and He hears you from the throne. He hears you from His rightful place where He sits. Yes, He's everywhere. 
Yes, He is absolutely omnipresent. We know that. God is everywhere. But David wanted you to know that he did not just hear Him because He is omnipresent, because He's everywhere. He said, I want you to understand that He heard me from where He dwells on His throne in heaven. He heard me from His holy hill. Psalm 15.1 describes it. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He's saying, who's going to dwell at the throne of God? Psalm 48, we used to sing it around here. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. That's not talking about earth. That's talking about the holy hill of God, where God rests, where His throne is. He said, He heard me from His throne and gave me rest. He said, He's heard me when I've called upon Him. He said, I'll not be afraid of what I see before me. He said, I'll choose the one that is around me. I'll choose my buckler. I'll choose my shield. I thought of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I uh, be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should arise against me, in this will I be confident. He said, I'm confident in the things of God. I may be in a place of affliction. I may be in a place of pain. But I will stand in my assurance that God has heard of my prayer and given me His attention. Therefore will I rest in the place of God's action. Go to verse 7. Now remember, he's already said God's heard him. He's already said God is his shield. And in verse 7, he makes a plea. Arise, O Lord, you've heard me. You've heard me. I know you've heard me. My son's against me. My dear friend Ahithophel has turned on me. The enemy has come along and they've said, I'm, I'm beaten, I'm done. I have no answers. But I cried to you and you heard me. So now I'm just going to ask you, God, stand up. Arise on my behalf. Now be careful. There are some people out there, and we wouldn't be rude toward anybody, but there are some people who think God owes us something. God owes me nothing. Anything I get from God is absolute. My breath I, I breathe is the grace of God. And somebody will come along and say, why don't you demand God do this? I can't demand God do anything. That would be so uh, disrespectful and, and blasphemous. David's not doing that here. What David is doing here is by faith, he's calling on the God and he trusts Him to do this. He said, God, since You are my God, and since You are my glory, and since You are the lifter of my head, arise, Lord. Stand up on my behalf. By the way, when God stands up for me, I don't have to wonder if I'm going to be delivered. When God stands on my side, I don't have to wonder if victory is mine. You see, he was just claiming victory. He said, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten. Think about this. He's still in the battle. You talk about a word of faith. You talk about understanding what the Gospel of Mark says when it says, When you pray, believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. This is what David's doing here. He's still in the battle. And he said this. He said, Arise, O Lord, and save me, O my God, for thou hast, thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone." Thou hast broken the teeth 
of the ungodly. He said, when God stands for me, I'm delivered. He said, when God stands for me, the enemy is defeated. Now it says that he smote them on the cheekbone and the teeth were broken. This is, this is a term that was, that was used in boxing. This is the knockout blow. It's, the, it's, it's when the, the right cross comes into the jaw and the jaw is broken and it hit, hit so hard that the teeth are broken. He literally said, the enemy's coming strong against me. I'm just going to get out of the way. God, rise up for me and, and knock the enemy out. Not being sacrilegious at all, that's what he said. He said, break his cheekbone and knock his teeth out. Now, church, do you realize it's okay to ask the Lord to stand against evil on your behalf? He said, this evil has come against me. Uh, When God stands for me, I'll be delivered. So when we're faced with trouble, when we're faced with pain and trials, sometimes even defeat, you've got a choice to make. You can either live in verses 1 and 2, or you can live in verses 3 through 5. Where would you like to live? You can live in verses 1 and 2 and just dwell on your defeat. You can live in verses 1 and 2 and and let the enemy's words come into your ears and and you can listen and you can stay defeated. You've seen them. Some people just enjoy it. They just enjoy defeat. David said, I'm not going to stay there. He said, I'm going to remember God's my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. And you can choose that you're going to live there. Now, illustrations abound. There would be one story I could tell that some of you would know here because Paul used to go to church here. Paul Bunky's his name, and, and uh, Paul and Rebecca, I don't know if they've come here and given their testimony, but uh, after Paul left here, and was he married when he was here? And uh, so I know it was very early in their, in their life, but uh, Paul and Rebecca live in Dobson, North Carolina. Paul had picked up uh, four of his children and had picked him up at the babysitters and and was headed home. Middle of the day, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Came around the curve there in North Carolina and a man drunk in the middle of the afternoon came across the road, hit him, put him in the hospital, put PJ, who's now at Pensacola Christian College, put him in the hospital. Two of his children, his only daughter, and his son named Philip went to glory that day. I mean, you could, you, you listen to that and you go, that breaks my heart. It breaks mine too. And Paul's a dear friend. On the one year anniversary of his children going to glory, he and Rebecca were at our church. And Paul stood up on this side of the platform. I remember it like it was yesterday. August 4th, just a year later, Paul stood on this side of the platform, talked to our people and told the story, showed pictures on the screen of his babies. And it had only been a year. You say, preacher, I can put up with anything but that. I understand. But Paul made a decision that he wasn't going to live in verses 1 and 2. He's going to live in verses 3 through 5. And I heard Paul Bunky stand up in front of our church and tell our church how good God had been to him. Now they didn't understand it. Didn't mean it didn't hurt. Didn't mean the pain wasn't real but for him to stand up and talk about how good God had been to them and gave his testimony that when all of this happened, he and Rebecca decided that God could use this in their lives. Since then, they have the Bunky Family Ministries. He's a deacon in his church and 
and, and on the side he'll go to churches and give his testimony and, and they'll talk to folks and now they've got a house full of boys. God's blessed them with more children and, and, but they still don't have a daughter. They, they realize their daughter uh, Sarah's in heaven. And Philip's there. There was a, I don't know if you heard about it. I'm sure you did. I'm sure some of you did. There was a missionary family that was riding down the interstate. The missionary family hit some ice. Their last name was Kretzman. Missionary family hit some ice, and when they hit some ice, their minivan went off the road, and the side of the minivan hit, hit a, a pole or an embankment. And, and uh, when it did, this family's little baby. I'm, I, church, I'm not talking about somebody living in sin. I'm talking about somebody who's serving God. Sometimes I th- I'm afraid we think, well, God, I'm serving you. This family's on deputation. And they hit eyes. Little baby went to heaven. Just happened to be that that part of the interstate was in Surrey County, North Carolina. Just happened to be exactly where Paul and Rebecca Bunky were. Paul and Rebecca went immediately to that family because they knew what it was like. And you see, Paul could look at him and say, listen, it hurts. But you've got to remember, thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. The glory and the lifter of my head. He, and he helped the Kretzmans. The Kretzmans today call their home in other places. Of course, at that time they were going to Cuba, and they're still in Cuba, but there are other places as well in their ministry. But you see, because Paul and Rebecca trusted God, somebody else came along that they could help them trust God. You all know Dr. Gibbs. He's a friend of this ministry. But when you hear him tell the story of his own mother who had polio, his own mother, and had a children's ministry that the children's ministry she started ended up reaching over 5,000 children. When she went to heaven, she had over 60 active pastors that had come through the children's ministry that she had personally impacted in their life. Yes, she had polio. She had everything against her. And people would say, she can't do that. Wait a minute. But thou, O Lord are a shield for me. So could I ask you tonight, child of God, what is it that will make you quit and make you live in verses 1 and 2? Is this your life? Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many of they, there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. Is that where you've stopped? Is that where you live? David made a choice. He wouldn't stay there. So he decided he would live in, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Your choice. Where will you live? Maybe you're here tonight, and you're religious, but you're not saved. Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you have placed your faith and trust totally in Christ alone to save you. You see, I don't have a religious experience. I have a relationship with the God of heaven through Jesus Christ. That's what I have. And I ask you, friend, do you truly know Jesus Christ? If you are saved, will you trust Him enough to let Him be your strength? Let Him lift your head. Let Him be your shield. And let Him be your glory. Maybe tonight the storm's too strong for you to bear. We all been, we've all been there. But there's a God 
who if you'll cry to him, will hear you, will help you. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you for grace and mercy. And Lord, I pray if there's someone going through a storm, whether it's here, radio, TV, even a recording later, if someone happens to listen to it, that God, you'd lift them up if they're in a storm. God, if there's someone that's in a storm but they're lost, we realize the only prayer you'll hear is that cry for salvation. And I know you'll save them if they call on you. Father, there could be someone who has no answer for what they're in and they've decided to live in defeat. I pray that you would turn that and turn them to you and help them see their victory can come through you. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.